Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. I did eat the top of a pizza off the pizza the other day. Does that count as eating pizza? It's You're progress. You're eating the cheese off the top of the pizza? It's progress. Far. It felt like pizza-y, you know? It, it wasn't as good as the whole thing. But it was something. It, ha- it gave the effect. It gave the illusion of pizza. Joe and Amber, Amber Wilson, Joe Fortenbaugh here with you. Skylar Thompson's going to have to lead my Miami Dolphins to the promised land. Be a part of Joe and Amber Nation on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. Call us, 888-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. ESPN Nation's presented by Dr. Pepper. It ain't college football season without the delicious taste of an ice-cold Dr. Pepper the one that fans deserve. We got the news today from Coach Mike McDaniel for my Miami Dolphins that Tua, not going to happen against the Buffalo Bills. I think we all probably suspected that was going to be the case. McDaniel said that he did not clear concussion protocol, so that's why this decision was made. It will be, it looks like Skylar Thompson, Teddy Bridgewater is trying to work his way back to availability Barry Jackson of the Miami Herald had reported that it would be really unlikely that Bridgewater was going to be able to get reps, frankly, this week. So it feels like McDaniel's going to have to prepare Thompson throughout the week with that first team. And Joe, nobody feels like the Dolphins have a shot if they don't have two under center. They don't have a shot. They were already going up against the juggernaut. It's no disrespect to the Dolphins, but they didn't have much of a chance to begin with as a 10-point dog in Buffalo against the Bills. Now that line has moved to 13, 13 and a half, depending on your book, because of the injury news. Tua can run the offense. Thompson can't. Thompson's had plenty of opportunities. He's appeared in seven games this season. He's thrown one touchdown pass. One on an offense that is loaded with weapons, and he's not completing 60% of his passes. But this shouldn't surprise anybody because Skylar Thompson's not really a passing quarterback. He was a running quarterback at Kansas State. The Dolphins drafted him for some reason, and now they need him to lead a high-octane throw-the-ball offense, but he's not really a throw-the-ball type of quarterback. So it's a good season for Miami. You took a necessary step forward. Mike McDaniel proved that he's more than capable of being an NFL head coach, but this is where it comes to an end. There will be no miracle. There will be no, oh my gosh, how do we compare this upset to other upsets? Even as a Miami fan, I'd imagine you are giving your team very little chance of competing this weekend. I like that you just said Mike McDaniel's proven himself as a head coach here in the NFL because I think some people might say otherwise, right? Because we did get to a point here with the Dolphins where like, hey, not the record's not any different than it was under Flores. Yes, they made it to a postseason. Also, the cookie crumbled the right way inside the division this season, so they make it to a postseason with the same exact record, the same number of wins anyways. I would say that it's not fair to do that, though, to Coach McDaniel. We were so high on him the first half of the season. I think you can only fairly judge him when he did have his offense intact. And I'm not just talking about Tua. I'm talking about Teron Armstead as well. I think that's as big of a loss as any. I mean, yes, Tua is obviously a huge loss, but the centerpiece there of that line, losing that, that has been a line that has always been a problem for the Miami 
Miami Dolphins. The O-line problems have been a huge problem all throughout Tua's career. And you can see the drop-off in production, not just from the absence of Tua, but also Teron Armstead, which is why he was brought in to shore up that O-line. That's been a huge, huge problem for this Dolphins team. I don't know if you can fully then evaluate Coach McDaniel when, by the way, it wasn't even like he was working with a second-string quarterback who was taking first-team reps in Tua's absence for all these games. Tua goes down, then Teddy would take all the reps, Teddy Bridgewater, during the week leading up to a game, and then Bridgewater would immediately go down in a game, and he'd be going to Skylar Thompson. And so at least with this game with the Bills, he has an opportunity here to prepare with Thompson. We've seen the Dolphins play the Bills tough twice this season, games that they could have won both times. All of that being said, I don't even feel like they have a chance. That's my team. It's just hard to believe. Well, the thing that hurts McDaniel is that he got off to a fast start this season, but it wasn't about the start. Anyone who was handicapping the Dolphins before the season started looked at a four-game stretch at the end of the season that was going to determine everything. It was three consecutive road games at the Niners, at the Chargers, at the Bills, followed by a matchup at home against the Packers, and then followed by a road game against the Patriots. So it was really a five-game stretch there where they were going to be evaluated. It was going to be a tough run at the end of the season, and we were going to see what they were made of. They got shellacked against the Niners. They did very little against the Chargers. They went to Buffalo and hung tight, but no moral victories. They still lost the game. Came home to play Green Bay. Tua gets hurt. They end up losing that one. Then they go to New England and lose. They were they were 0-5 in that stretch. Like, you're, you're in a prime position to make a serious run at the playoffs, and you go 0-5. Now, yes, the Tua injury on the back end hurt, but on the front end, you were overmatched in San Francisco. You did not bounce back against the Chargers. And then it was a nice effort against the Bills, but it wasn't enough. So ultimately, that's where he comes under fire because he couldn't figure out how to get it done in those games. But for a guy who had never been an actual coordinator before, I know he was, quote, offensive coordinator in San Francisco, but he wasn't calling the plays. Shanahan calls the plays. This is a young guy who some thought would be in over his head. I was one of those people. I have been proven wrong. I think he is a competent NFL head coach, and I think it's worth pursuing what he can do down the line. He did impress me this season in a lot of regards. He impressed me as well. He also, I feel like, even though they had the blunder in terms of how they handled the Tua concussions early on, I do feel like he righted the ship here in the second half of the season, learned from his mistakes, and he has said all the right things here down the stretch in regards to that situation. I think, frankly, it's one reason that Tua wasn't going to get the go against the Bills, even if he cleared concussion protocol, because I do think that McDaniel and the Dolphins find themselves in an unusual situation where there is so much in terms of the narrative around Tua and these concussions that they have to be very careful. And of course, they have to be careful as well with his health. But I'm talking about if the doctors had actually cleared him, that's when the decision would have become difficult because do you rely on the media professionals or do you listen to sort of the PR angle of this, which has certainly in recent weeks, been very loud the concerns surrounding Tua Tungavaloa and his future and his susceptibility to these concussions, or seemingly so. And so they don't even have to go down that path. I feel like maybe that's actually a better case scenario for this Dolphins team because they're not tempted to have to go down that path. He's not cleared by the without doctors. Question. There's nothing to discuss. Oh, without question, because think of the optics. Okay, forget his health should be first and foremost, and they're making the right move by not playing him. But forget about the health. If for some reason everyone's going to throw health to the wayside and it's all going to be about winning, imagine the optics of putting him out there in Buffalo and he gets hit again and has to leave the game. 
his hit, his, whether someone gives him a head-to-head shot or whether his head hits the turf on his way to the ground because seemingly that happens to him more often than you see with other quarterbacks. Should something like that happen again, the optics of something like that would be horrible, and that is secondary to the young man's health. So the Dolphins are getting it right here. Unfortunately, it likely means the end of their season, but only one team is going to be standing at the end of this whole thing, and unfortunately it won't be them, just like it won't be 30 other teams. Do you believe in miracles? All I can hope is that the former Kansas State quarterback somehow – pulls it off against maybe the best team in the NFL. Joe and Amber is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. Coming up, who could or should replace Tua in Miami next season? Joe, he's got a list. We love lists. This is sports radio. Lists are what we live for. That's next. This is ESPN Radio. So Tua Tungavaloan will not be playing against the Buffalo Bills this weekend for Wild Card Weekend. Probably means the Dolphins season is coming to an end. And once it does, the question is raised, what does happen at that quarterback position for the Miami Dolphins? Now there's this idea that Tua has durability concerns, not just because of the concussions, but obviously even stemming back to his career in college. And so do the Dolphins move on from that quarterback? Joe Fortenbaugh thinks so. And he's got a list. And we love lists on sports radio. He's going to let us know the quarterback options that the Dolphins should go after next season. He's got a top four. Let's do this. First off, any idiot can shotgun any quarterback into this situation and and try to make it interesting. We're trying to be realistic. I'm not going to suggest Josh Allen is a possible I mean, landing that would be destination great. i will take josh allen down uh, to yeah miami. would you would you now miss miami <laughs> fan that's very very interesting to hear so here's what i've got four quarterbacks i'm breaking them down into two tiers the first two guys you're going to hear are insurance policy guys these are guys that can come in back up to a but step in if things go south and number four sam darnold currently of the carolina panthers young quarterback has already played on two teams it hasn't gone very well but you're going to be able to get him for cheap on a prove-it deal because he'd likely want to have an opportunity to show that he can belong in the National Football League. The downside, he's completing less than 60% of his passes for his career, seven TDs, three interceptions with the Panthers this season. Again, I hate this list. He would be cheap. He could come in and he could back up your boy Tua so he has another chance. And in the event Tua goes down, you're not looking at Skylar Thompson. You're looking at a guy who's got starter experience in the NFL. Along the same line, brace yourself. Baker Mayfield, three teams in two seasons, the Browns, the Panthers, and the Rams. Again, though, if you're Miami and you like Tua, this is a half-decent insurance policy. Mayfield is not going to get a five-year, $200 million contract. He's likely to sign somewhere with a chance to be a starter, hopefully with some upside and some weapons around so that he can get his career back on track from when he was the number one overall pick coming out of Oklahoma. His career has gone sideways. People are dogging him at every turn. An opportunity in Miami with those weapons at wide receiver and Mike Daniels offense. Mike McDaniels offense should Tua get hurt could create an opportunity for Mayfield to recapture that mojo we saw in college. Now, if you want to get pricey and you're thinking about moving Tua into the backup role, Geno Smith is going to be available this offseason. Coming off a fantastic year in Seattle where he completed almost 70% of his passes, threw for 30 touchdowns, and racked up over 4,200 passing yards, breaking Russell Wilson's single-season passing yardage record for the Seattle Seahawks. Downside. 
probably a bit more expensive. And are you buying the peak? It's very possible this was a fluky season for Geno Smith. You could invest and you could see previous Geno Smith if you bring him into the fold. So there is some risk there. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. James Garoppolo, old handsome Jimmy in Miami. Wouldn't that not work for just about everybody involved? Mike McDaniel used to coach in San Francisco. He knows Garoppolo well. Garoppolo's been to the NFC Championship game twice. He's been to the Super Bowl. He's more than capable of making plays and winning games. But he's injury prone. And he'll probably cost a few bucks because there's going to be some other teams interested in his services. But to live in Miami, where I believe there are no state taxes, young lady? Correct. There you go. A nice little situation with a lot of weapons around him. He could put up some numbers. Should he land in Miami, that's got to be your starter with Tua backing him up. There's the four. I think it's reasonable. Again, if you think they should go out and acquire Patrick Mahomes, I can't help you. That's a topic for some other radio station. I mean, that would be excellent if, in fact, they were able to do that. But let's keep things realistic. First of all, I actually don't think it's realistic for the Miami Dolphins to move on from Tua. We know just in terms of the draft. Now, notice nobody, Joe, throughout was an up-and-coming quarterback in the 2023 draft because they ain't got a first-rounder. Now, they lost, of course— their first first rounder from the tampering with allegedly. Do I need to say allegedly? I guess not because they were because the NFL found them essentially guilty, right? I mean, they got the tampering punished. the tampering with Tom Brady, and so because of that, they lose their first pick, their own pick in in their first round of this upcoming draft. They had another pick in the first round of this upcoming draft, which was the San Francisco 49ers pick. They traded that as part of that Bradley Chubb trade. So they traded that actually to the Denver Broncos. The Dolphins now have no first rounders in this upcoming draft. I always thought that they had made sure that they had two first rounders in 2023 to address the quarterback position if in fact Tua didn't pan out. It didn't look like this was going to be a problem that they didn't have these two first rounders because for the first half of the season Tua was panning out we're like he's our guy well now they can't move on in terms of the draft so now it moves on to the options that you just suggested I think it's fine if you're rocking with Tua moving
moving forward as your starter. I think what would not be fine is if you pay him. So I think you watch Joe Burrow out of the same draft and Justin Herbert out of the same draft get paid, and you don't pay him. You don't have to pay the guy. We just saw it happen with Daniel Jones in New York. Heck, they could even pick up his fifth-year option down the road. We've still got a couple years left here with Tua before they would have to realistically make that decision. I definitely think if you're the Dolphins that you pump the brakes on that in order to fully evaluate this durability concern with Tua moving forward. Where does that leave you then if Tua is on your roster and presumably the starter next season? It leaves you in a position where you probably know whoever's the backup is going to get a lot of time under center. And you're going to be relying on that guy at times to win games and maybe get you in a postseason like we saw this season with Skylar Thompson and Teddy Bridgewater. And it didn't go well with Bridgewater because he also has his own durability concerns. That's the problem with Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, I understand you just suggested Garoppolo would be the starter, which I don't hate that idea because that is the only way that I would see it work. But then you have Jimmy Garoppolo, which familiarity there with Mike McDaniel's system. So from that perspective, I'd be very excited about that marriage between McDaniel and Garoppolo, except for then you have Tua backing up Garoppolo, and now you have a whole quarterback room essentially with durability concerns. So that's my problem there with your number one. Geno Smith, I think he should stay in Seattle. I don't trust paying a 32-year-old what he's going to command, like you said, on that market coming off of this season. I also don't like paying the guy who had one good season in the last 10. That makes me nervous. Baker Mayfield, am I getting Los Angeles Rams? Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, am I getting like those few games in Carolina? Sam Darnold, either of those guys, I guess, do provide experience under center. And if they were in backup roles, I don't hate it. I don't hate it. I hate it in starting roles. But even with Baker, like you're talking about a quarterback that everybody is concerned is undersized. And oh, by the way, that's one of the knocks against Tua. So I don't, none of these ideas really excite me as a Dolphins fan. Yeah, you're about to throw Patrick had, Mahomes at me, found, aren't you? Look, we if, just got to trade for Patrick way, Mahomes. If I could find a way. I'm telling you, if I could find a way. <laughs> so what I mean, would I you think do? Garoppolo would be great. I would be excited about Garoppolo if we didn't have the injury concerns. Well, but, if you patch Garoppolo's body to Tua's body and you just merge <laughs> the two together through some unique form you, of fusion, have, can you, you get 17 starts? Right, like if you have 50% of a, of a healthy quarterback and another 50% of a healthy quarterback, right. if you combine their power would you get 100% of a season? And listen, it's not the craziest thing you've ever said because you would just, I guess, decide, hey, this guy goes down, that guy will be out there. I think I'm just shook because I have found myself in this situation this season where every time Tua went down, Bridgewater went down. And it's like, then your whole plan is is completely the done. The Bridgewater down situation then you got Skylar is Thompson fascinating. Out there. The Bridgewater situation is fascinating because every time he got an opportunity to take the field and people love the Teddy Bridgewater story. I love the Teddy Bridgewater story. Great comeback story. You want to see him do well. He couldn't make it more than six minutes before he would get hurt. And it's one thing if it happened once. What did it happen? Like three times? Wasn't it like three times he took the field in place of Tua Mm -hmm. and got hurt almost immediately? Like he couldn't stay on the field. So, So what are you doing? What are you now, doing? What, You're now, the one GM. of those times, in fairness to Bridgewater, doing? one of those times was the independent spotter taking him out of the game. He didn't actually apparently suffer a concussion, but it was the spotter thinking that he had stumbled. So he was out of the, the game. Uh, the other ones were injuries like you just suggested and why he's not available or d- seemingly so. It looks like he's going to be the backup to Thompson, but it's why he's not taking first team reps as we enter a postseason. What am I doing? I don't know. You're the know. GM. What are you being doing? very frustrated. Uh, spending another season probably being very frustrated. Again, Rockwood 2 is your starter. Don't pay him as a starter. And yes, maybe you're looking at a Baker Mayfield or 
or even a Sam Darnold. I mean, I think you could question whether those guys played themselves into being back starters in the NFL, though. So I don't know if they're going to enjoy that backup role. Joel and Amber is presented to you by Progressive. Coming up, Dak Prescott. Let's move to some Cowboys talk. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. How much pressure is on Dak Prescott to get past the Tampa Bay Bucks on Monday night? Joe and Amber is presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save nearly $700 on average. Call or click today and find out if they could save you hundreds on your car insurance. Before we get to the Dallas Cowboys conversation, we all like pizza. I don't eat it as often as Joe, you know, because he doesn't have to watch his girlish figure quite the same. You know, some people are just born with it. Some people have to work at it. So I don't eat it as often as Joe, but I love myself some pizza. Also, one reason I don't eat it as often because the self-control when pizza's in front of me, it ain't really there because pizza's that amazing. So we all need money in order to buy pizza. Let's go ahead and help you make some of that pizza money. Pizza money alert. Pizza, pizza. We call it pizza money because these are wagers we like, don't love. If we love them, we wouldn't be betting pizza money on them. We'd be betting private jet money on them. So here we go. After last night's winner, which worked out for both of us, Amber's Miami Heat did win, but they did not cover the two-point spread against Oklahoma City. We're trying to put together a heater here. College hoops, 9 p.m. Eastern, TCU, plus six and a half over Texas. Texas since the Chris Beard suspension hasn't exactly been performing to expectation, at least relative to the point spread. They're only two and five against the spread during that time. Still overvalued based on what we saw early in the year, but not nearly as dominant as that stretch would lead us to believe. Now, if you look at TCU over their last 12, they have been outstanding. 11 and one straight up, eight, three and one against the spread. They are off a loss to Iowa State. So I believe we get an extremely focused effort tonight. They play an elite brand of defense. Pizza money, number one for tonight, TCU plus six and a half over the Texas Longhorns. The way the NFL does things means that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers coming off of the season that they have had have home field advantage over the Dallas Cowboys coming off the season that they have had. What does that mean for a wild card round that between those teams will kick off Monday night, 8.15 p.m. Eastern? And what does that mean for Dak 
Prescott. Well, Chris Canty, host of Canty and Carlin right here on ESPN Radio, was on Get Up, and he was asked what Monday night's game means for Dak. This is a critical moment for Dak Prescott in his career. I don't think this is a referendum on whether or not he's a good quarterback, but this is a career-defining moment for Dak Prescott. Is he going to ascend to the level of Jalen Hurts or Josh Allen or Pat Mahomes or those guys, or is he going to go the way of Kirk Cousins? And it is a referendum. That's that's the question that we have to figure out. Why (laughs) Why does that face? Did he say ascend to the level yeah. of Jalen Hurts? He did. What? I did. Well, <laughs> yeah. show the putting over. Why are you getting yeah. up? Because that's a, that, <laughs> that's a lot to handle. Before the season started, if you had said Dak needs to ascend to the level of Jalen Hurts, it would have sounded ridiculous. Right now, Jalen Hurts is a legitimate MVP candidate. Yeah. Dak led the league in interceptions. I can't disagree with what you're saying, can't he? That's fine. We really live in the moment, though, with these conversations, Joe. And so I understand what the Get Up crew is talking about there when they're talking about Jalen Hurts, I guess, now being the standard. Jalen Hurts has had a phenomenal season. Jalen Hurts is also on a very different team, I would say, frankly, than Dak is on and also has had a very different season in terms of health than Dak because Dak has been working his way in and out of that starting lineup. I'm not trying to provide any excuses. The interceptions have been really, really ugly. Whatever the clip is, you probably have it in front of you over the last several games it's the highest you know through down the stretch here in the NFL it has not been a pretty season of late for Dak Prescott but I feel like there's some extenuating circumstances there that weren't going right for Dak at points in the season that were going a little bit differently for Jalen obviously now Jalen Hurts coming back from his own time off with his own injuries and we'll see what that looks like as we enter a postseason we've never seen Hurts do it on this stage either This is such a great opportunity for Dak Prescott because you're getting Brady at the absolute worst point in his career, essentially. This is not one of the best teams he's played on. It's an average team at best that had the benefit of playing in a lousy division. We see this in boxing all the time. Young, up-and-coming prospect, when he's reaching that point where you want to push him into superstardom, you send him up against the guy with a big name who's on the back end of his career. Think of Errol Spence when he was going to take on Manny Pacquiao at the end of 2021. Now, Spence had to pull out of that fight, so Ordenis Ugas stepped in there, and Ugas won that fight. That was a huge brand-name victory for him, but Pacquiao so far past his prime, it wasn't really all that much of a challenge considering what it would have been to fight him 10 years ago. That's the situation Prescott has right now with Brady. He can go beat Brady in the playoffs and shut a lot of people up in the process, even though it's not Brady and the New England Patriots circa 2008-2009, right? So you got to go in and get it done. It's not even Tampa Brady in 2020, right? Like, Correct. I mean, we're, we're a couple years now removed from Brady even being on that elite team down in Tampa. Nevertheless, the elite teams that we saw for so many years in New England. But – That being said, Brady still has had a good season by all accounts. I mean, that team is a dumpster fire in many ways, but Brady is actually still, I mean, when you pull the numbers, he's actually had a better season than Dak Prescott. He's had a bit of an underrated season here, Tom Brady, at 45 years old, because there are problems beyond him with that Tampa Bay Bucks team. But the problem is, unlike the boxing analogy you just gave, which I like that analogy, but the problem is it ain't actually Dak against Tom Brady. And because of that, I don't actually know if this does much. It's Dak against that Tampa Bay Bucks defense. And that Bucks defense has left a lot to be desired this season. This doesn't feel like some formidable opponent that he needs to get past and then will crown him if he does. This feels like a step that he has to take. Like, this is 
is the plan. If he doesn't get past this team, it will be a huge embarrassment and knock on not just Dak, but the Cowboys at large and also maybe on McCarthy and that coaching staff. This is supposed to happen when you're playing that Tampa Bay Bucks team that is only in this situation because of the division they play in in the NFC South. You're favored by two and a half points, and you're going against a Brady-led offense that ranks 25th in the NFL in scoring. When was the last time Brady led an offense that ranked that bad in scoring? They're averaging 18 points per game. There's not a whole lot they bring to the table, but you have got to find a way to step up. You have got to find a way to play better than you have in the postseason. Four career postseason starts, Prescott's completing 60% of his passes. That's pathetic. That's pathetic. In this I mean, day they did take away his NFL, number one weapon. I feel like that's not probably talked about enough as we okay. enter this season. Now, this is the problem for Prescott. People like you constantly finding excuses for why it's <laughs> not his fault. It's never his fault, right? He makes a mistake. It's poor coaching. He makes a mistake. The defense can't back him up. Somebody go watch that Jacksonville Jaguars game where they're up 17 points, and he just starts turning the ball over and making mistake after mistake. They showed you everything you needed to know about how they feel about Prescott late in that game when they went, I think it was run, run, throw out of bounds, left the Jaguars with the timeout so that they could go down the field and tie it and then take it to overtime and win it. Prescott, six touchdowns, three interceptions in the postseason. This is a franchise quarterback who's played four postseason games. He's got six touchdown passes. You have to play huge here. You have to go in. You have to be the reason the team wins. That's how it. Many, Tampa Bay is not passes. that tough. How many touchdown passes does Jalen Hurts have in the postseason? And I guess this is my point when I'm watching quarterbacks because I don't really have – I don't have any reason to sit here and be a Dak Prescott defender, but I do find myself in that situation at times, and I feel like it's not because I think Dak Prescott is an elite, elite quarterback. To me, that is reserved for the select few. He ain't Patrick Mahomes. He ain't Josh Allen. He's not at that level. But I think most quarterbacks live in this world below that where, frankly, if you took them and you put them on the Eagles behind the best O-line with those weapons, including the addition of A.J. Brown, which is kind of a different thing that the Eagles did for him this season. Hurts, I mean, then happened down in Dallas with Dak where they got rid of his favorite weapon. If you put most of those quarterbacks on that Eagles team that kind of live in that tier of the Dak Prescott tier, they'd look pretty darn good. Apparently, you could put any quarterback on the San Francisco 49ers and they'd look really darn good. So I think some of it's a combination where some of it's system, some of it is in fact quarterback, but only the guy that are the most elite in the NFL can kind of overcome it all and make it look easy. I'm not suggesting Dak is one of those guys, but if we're going to compare him to like Jalen Hurts as the standard, I don't know if Jalen Hurts is a Patrick Mahomes level quarterback. I know he's had an excellent season. I also know that Eagles team is really darn good. I'm going to need to see it for a lot more years before I'm willing to crown him that. Like this guy definitely elevates everybody around him because I also watched Jalen last season and we were questioning whether he was even going to be the Eagles quarterback this season. Money talks. And when you compare these two, here's all you need to know. Jalen Hurts is making $1.4 million this year. Dak Prescott is on a four-year, $160 million contract. When you get the franchise quarterback money, you need to deliver the franchise quarterback results. He has not done that. Whether it's his fault or other people's, that team is viewed by many as one that's good enough to at least win a playoff game a singular playoff game no one's saying he has to win a Super Bowl but you can go beat Tampa as a two and a half point favorite when the Bucs aren't even any good this year ranking 25th in scoring 
Hurts at $1.4 million per year in an offense that had no weapons last year and finally loaded them up. Yeah, there's an expectation here because you're the one seed and you won plenty of games. But when we compare the two, it's interesting because one has had a lot more experience and a lot more time than the other, yet the other is suddenly thrust into this role because his team's the number one seed. I get it, but Prescott, there's so much more that should be expected of him at this point in his career. He's been around long enough, and he's got plenty around him where he should be able to make the plays necessary to win a singular playoff game. I do think that if he doesn't get past the Tampa Bay Bucks, then the heat on him is fair because unless it's some crazy freak thing that has nothing to do with him and it's just like right. some total defensive breakdown, then maybe we can talk because they are up against Tom Brady. But short of that, if it's Dak, if it's the offense not scoring enough points against the Bucks, then yes, there will be a lot of criticism of Dak Prescott and of McCarthy, and it will all frankly be deserved because this Tampa Bay team is a team that this Dallas Cowboys team even Easily should get passed on paper. Coming up, Amber Wilson and Joe Fortenbaugh here on Joe and Amber. What does the latest move on the Jets coaching staff mean for the future at their quarterback position? We'll talk about it. ESPN Radio, you can also check us out on the ESPN app. They were going to grind with him, just not in a must-win game against the Miami Dolphins to get into the postseason. Strange decisions by Robert Sala when it comes to Zach Wilson this season. But now we know that the New York Jets and offensive coordinator Mike LaFleur have parted ways as of yesterday. Of course, his job, there was speculation about it, Joe, and we know what the second half of the season turned into for the New York Jets. So what does this mean now with the departure of the OC in terms of Zach Wilson's future? Rich Semini, he is ESPN's Jets reporter. He was on the Michael K show on ESPN radio. He was asked about Zach Wilson's future in New York. I do think they will keep Zach Wilson. Now, I know a lot of people say, well, they say that every year about every player, and they end up trading some guys. But I do think deep down they really want to continue to work with him and try to develop him. Now, is he going to be their starting quarterback on opening day next year? I sincerely doubt that. I do think they will bring in a veteran. But for whatever reason, the Zach LaFleur connection they just weren't connecting you know and Zach's development is still paramount for this organization and to bring them together for a third year and hoping that it would be different the third time really would be kind of a stretch I think this feels like to me Joe that somebody else took the fall and I'm not saying that they should have retained LaFleur because I do think that there was problems there but it feels like they're parting ways now with LaFleur he's going to take the fall for the situation, meaning they're not going to have to now move off of Zach Wilson moving forward because they can kind of be like, well, we got rid of that guy. We're still working with this one over here. You can't start the season the way the Jets started it and then lose six straight games to close it out, during which time you have a 33-possession streak in which you score zero touchdowns and not have someone's head roll. Someone's got to go. 
You can't just let that happen at the end of the year. And then everyone says, all right, you know, take some time off. We'll regroup. Look at what happened in Tennessee. Mike Vrabel has done an exceptional job with the Titans since he arrived. The injuries piled up. The team fell apart late. And ultimately, he needed to clean house a little bit. He moved on from some of his coaches. And that's a team where you'd be okay if you said, you know what? If you're not going to fire anybody, that's fine because Rabel's done such a great job. Someone had to take the heat, and obviously the Jets weren't going to fire Robert Sala, and they don't want to move on from Zach Wilson just yet. That's a lot of egg on the face if you draft the kid two overall and you can't even get him through two seasons before you have to pack in. Again, you and I talked about this yesterday. You never want to fall into a conversation in which you are in a similar category to Jamarcus Russell. You have to avoid that at all costs, and that's where the Jets are right now. You don't want to be the Raiders. You don't want to be Jamarcus Russell. So someone's head had the role. So you get rid of the floor. Question is, who are you going to bring in and who's going to be the quarterback? Because that needs to improve in a hurry. You can't blame the weapons. Garrett Wilson was fantastic this season. The place my head goes isn't Jamarcus Russell, but wow, blast from the past. That's a good one. The, the place my head always goes is, is this going to be like a Josh Rosen type situation, right? Where even though you drafted the guy so high in the draft, you just realize real quickly he's not it. Now, Arizona was in a situation they were able to move on swiftly. Most teams certainly not in that situation when they draft a quarterback there at the top of the draft. And the Jets right now are not in that situation. They've got that number two I mean, they have a number two pick on their roster and they're not going to be able to move him easily because of the fact that they benched him and then kind of brought him back and then benched him and then let us know that maybe he's got locker room problems and that everybody kind of hates him maybe internally. And there's all sorts of rumors and stuff flying around about Zach Wilson. There's people questioning his work ethic and none of that is helping the man's trade value when you used a second overall pick on him and traded up in order to get him. I do think that if you're the Jets, you're in a situation where you've got to try to at least develop him enough to maybe get something for him. Like, that's where I feel like so much of this is where they went wrong. And it's one of the reasons I was screaming from the mountaintops that you've got to play him. Don't move on to Mike White. Play him, play him, play him. See what you've got. And at least put him in a situation, you would hope, where maybe he shows some semblance of something. You didn't bring him in because he was NFL ready. You brought him in because you thought that he had this dynamic capability and you thought that he was going to be able to give you the goods in terms of the talent and some of the stuff that he could even do with his legs like that's why you brought him in out of BYU not because you thought he was going to be so NFL ready he was unbelievably young as well when you drafted him at number two overall and so because of that I think if you had at least played him the entire season and we hadn't heard all that noise around him and maybe you'd backed him when he gave you the one word answer that he shouldn't have given in that press conference then I think maybe he'd at least have some trade value because other teams around the league it's not like I'm saying Zach Wilson would have been great but other teams around the league might have looked like hey there's talent there that I can develop they're doing it wrong but at least now if you're bringing in a new OC and Sala already said that he's going to definitely hire a senior offensive assistant there's going to be multiple hires to the offensive side of this coaching staff if that's the case then maybe you'll find yourself in a situation where you can get at least something out of him to make him a little bit more attractive around the NFL if you are going to move on from Wilson. You use the phrase where they went wrong. Where the Jets went wrong was two years ago in 2020 when they lost to the Seattle Seahawks 40-3 to to go 0-13 with three games to play. And then for some inexplicable reason, they went out and beat the Rams and the Browns in back-to-back weeks to cost themselves the number one pick in the draft, which turned out to be, I don't know, what's the guy's name? 
Trevor Lawrence, who's starting this weekend in you the playoffs for Trevor the Jaguars against the Chargers. Trevor Lawrence wasn't Trevor Lawrence for a year and a half. We watched Trevor Lawrence be so far from Trevor Lawrence Who's under the disaster. That? That, fine, but you have any faith that he would have been any better in New York as a Jet? I mean, let's we be real. We at least know. We're talking about, you know, if we're talking about franchises that mismanage players and the result... Trevor Lawrence wasn't able to rise above that at all. I'm not saying we, most people could have. We at least know he can play, though. You take Urban Meyer Finally. out of the equation, now we've seen he can play. So you know that in New York, at the very least, you have a guy who's kind of, We don't know that about Wilson. We do not know that he can play. He has shown us absolutely nothing. We know he can't lead. We know he's not mature enough. We also know, as of right now, he can't play. The question is, what's he going to do this offseason to get in there? You have to bring a starter in to push him. And not just some nothing placeholder starter. you got to bring in a bona fide quarterback who is going to force this kid to put in more work than he's ever put in in his life. You can't make it comfortable for him. You cannot put him in a situation where he can coast and he thinks he's going to be the guy. You've got to see what he's made of. Stack the deck against him and see what rises. And if the cream rises to the top, then maybe you've got something. If it doesn't, you know you can move on in a hurry. When you bring a quarterback in who's 21 years old, you have to know that there's probably going to be some maturity and leadership issues in the locker. That's a young New York Jets team, but it ain't that young. Let's be real. And if you want him to be a leader of men, 21 might not be where it's at. That's the situation that the Jets have found themselves in with Zach Wilson here over the last couple of years. I do think maybe a vet would help that situation moving forward. Coming up next, the Cardinals have already made some changes to their administration as well.